Hey, it's Andrew. This month, we at Literary Arts have two incredible community events coming up that are both live and in person again, and we are thrilled. On Monday, April 25th, we'll host the Oregon Book Awards to celebrate Oregon's incredible contemporary writers. And on Thursday, April 28th, we'll host the All-City Youth Poetry Slam Verslandia at the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall. For more information about both events, go to our website at literary-arts.org. And here at Literary Arts, we also rely on our community, people like you, for support. To help make this podcast and all our programming possible, give today at our website, literary-arts.org. Thank you. Welcome to the Archive Project. I'm Andrew Proctor, Executive Director of Literary Arts. The Archive Project is a retrospective of some of the most engaging talks from the world's best writers from more than 35 years of literary arts in Portland. In this episode, we feature some of the incredible slam poets who performed as part of Virtualandia, the all-virtual, citywide youth poetry slam presented by Literary Arts in 2021. Each year, youth across the city spend the year writing and performing their own poems, competing with their peers. And each April, about 20 student finalists compete for the title of Portland Slam Champ. Because of the pandemic and school closures last year, we had to reinvent the live event to be a virtual competition in which poets submitted videos of their performances for judges to rank. And I'm going to say again what I said last year about the episode featuring our community's young writers. What is important about staying tuned for this episode is that these young poets are thrilling to hear. They will give you the chills and perhaps bring tears to your eyes. And at this moment, when it feels our society is cleaved with deep divisions, race, geography, economics, and age, it is so important to take the time to really listen to young voices who are, after all, the future. These young poets come from all walks of life in Portland and have incredible stories to tell. And I'm so excited to announce that the 2022 Verslandia competition is back and in person and in the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall on Thursday, April 28th at 7 p.m. For more information, visit our website, literary-arts.org. But for now, let's listen back to the virtual slam from 2021 and enjoy these incredible poems. In addition to hearing some of these stunning performances, each poet will talk about their work and our MC and Oregon's Poet Laureate, Anis Majgani, will perform as well. And just a quick reminder that some of the poems you'll hear in this episode contain explicit language and mature content, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Here's our MC, Anis Majgani. Hello, everyone out there. My name is Anis, and I'm so excited to be sharing my evening with all of you faceless individuals out there in the world. Um, this is such a wonderful night and uh, it has been in the past and so I'm so excited and honored that we are able to have it in this form and format. Um, so welcome to Virtual Landia 2021, the virtual reimagining of the beloved um, event Verse Landia, uh, the Portland All City Poetry Slam Championship for the youth of our city. For those of you unfamiliar with the Poetry Slam, right quick, it is simply a form of competition um, where poets are given three minutes to recite their own original work with no props, no costumes, no animal acts, no musical accompaniment, and for which they're then given a score from judges in the audience. Um, it is essentially basically a trick to get everybody excited to listen to poems and to get people excited to write poems and share them to those people that are excited to listen to poems. Tonight, we have called and gathered five judges from our community. And uh, those judges, upon hearing the poems that all of us will hear tonight, will give those poems a score between zero and 10, zero being the lowest and 10 being the highest. Poets have three minutes and a 10 second grace period to share their poems. Any poem that starts to go over three minutes, 10 seconds, will then receive um, uh, deductions of half a point for every 10 seconds it goes over. Now, without further ado, uh, in order to, to warm up your poetic ear and whet your poetry appetite, as well as also giving our judges the chance to have a barometer 
to uh, hold the knight's poems up against. We start every poetry slam with a calibration poet who will share their poem as if in competition, and it will be scored as if in competition, but instead of being part of the competition, it will be offered up to the heavens as merely such and not be an actual competition. So please, without any further ado, um, make some excitement wherever you are, in whatever way that excitement might mean for you, and welcome the first poet of the evening, our calibration poet from Franklin High School, Alana Anderson. I'm sitting in a classroom. My teacher is standing up now and his tone tells us he's about to get real serious. He says he's gonna buy a rope ladder. What for, we all think in unison, shuffles of confusion. He explains he's buying the rope ladder so that if we hear gunshots of an active armed shooter, we can escape the classroom to safety two stories below. We will abandon our computers, scramble and gamble down the rope ladder. I'm 15 and sitting in an English class. Instead of memorizing the odyssey modestly, we are now memorizing the order in which we escape stupid honestly, and it, how it matters how fast we get out that window. Pop, pop, two gunshots. A girl blurts out, it's so high. My teacher calmly responds with, a broken arm or leg is better than dying any day. The girl looks like she's about to cry. I just want to fly. I hear pop, 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 three gunshots. Three glass walls and two bookshelves full of old dusty texts will act as our shields. And that flimsy plastic rung ladder will be our last resort. Pop, 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 four gunshots. I try to hide behind a mask, but it's too hard of a task. My eyebrows are showing emotion. My hands are shaking commotion. I will go last, he states. It sinks in clearly. He will have to explain this to his students yearly. My teacher is strong, but that a bullet could pierce his lungs makes my heart numb. This class was a vacation, but now it's about a moral statement, about how my teacher will be the last one to go down the ladder in an orderly fashion. Once you're down, you will run and climb over the six-foot security fence, then run into the neighborhood as fast as you possibly can. My mind is bursting at its seams. This is not as simple as it seems. We have to be a team, life or death horror inducing. One gun holds so much power. After one shot, it's a horrific disaster. Someone asks the paralyzing question. What if we were in the bathroom or the hallway when it happens? My teacher responds with, once the alarm goes off, we can't let anyone in the classroom. Anyone? Even in the hallway in front of me, there's a masked man with an automatic machine gun? Five gunshots. Pop, 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 pop. One gun holds so much power. Broken hearts and disaster. Screams and shattered glass. No more masks. This is real no cap. I analyzed how he told us to use the bookshelves and textbooks as shields, but last time I heard, books aren't bulletproof, and neither is wood, and neither is a human heart. Pop, 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 get down, cover, duck. It feels like this building's been thunderstruck. I'm shaking. My palms are sweaty. The room is spinning. Gun laws aren't strong enough. Glass isn't bulletproof enough. Enough is enough. Never again. I walk into the dining room where my mom is hunched over the computer paying bills. Hey mom, guess what we learned today? And for Alana, we have scores of 7.5, 8.3, 8.7, 8.9, and a 9.2 for Alana Anderson. Audience, please show your love for the poet and for the poem and keep that love going. Wherever you are, however you must, please welcome Gigi Borales of Franklin High School. Losing myself in this paralyzation state of being, where north is south and the trees grow sideways. In the state of being I live in, the Mad Hatter might as well be making masks, and we've edited reality. Its entirety is something else entirely. My swipe, click, tap is someone's pocket money paycheck. In this state of being, we all cry into a void of validation, asking for more friends and more likes, leaving emptier than a glass of nothing at all. I play the piano for something real to grip onto. In this state of being, the federal government mows down moms and the blue boats are driving down my street again. Lollipops sprout from my fingertips. 
in this state of being, I cannot breathe, doesn't seem to mean anything at all. You should see my face as I watch his face, that blue boat riding murderer and the calm in his eyes. Just another day's work, he seems to say. My vibrations of music travel through the air to convey, to emote the struggles that have been placed upon us, within us. They don't come close. So I sit quietly, crumpled in the agony of alone, in the solace of a piano. I give up playing. I'm laying my head on these cold keys. I don't deserve a world that hurts this much. I write, Dear Anne Frank, will it all be over soon? And she writes back that in this state of being, focus on the little things to block out the crazy that will creep in from the corners of my mind. Maybe it already has. We've built Lady Liberty to hide the sins of the Confederate flag. She stands for freedom. She turns green when she lies. In this state of being, the rules went out the window. They slipped out the door and no one seemed to notice it wasn't like it was before. And I wonder, what is wrong with us? How did we get to this desperate place? I watch the blue boat sink in front of a blood orange horizon. The lollipops are broken to bits, sticky candy covered in insects. And Frank peeks from behind the darkened shades and then fades from view. I get really excited about slam poetry because I feel like it's a place where people are really vulnerable and in a way that we often aren't. I think we often try to hide parts of ourselves that really come out in slam poetry. And it's really inspiring, um, especially for middle school and high schoolers to share parts of themselves that you don't see. This year is just so different than any other year and a lot of opportunities that I would have, I don't have. I'm not going to school, I'm not playing sports. So I just wanted to take the chance to try something sort of different. I mean, I've done poetry before, but I wanted to try something new and make the most of this opportunity. Audience, please welcome up to your screen the next poet in the first round, Shayla Santa Cruz Crickbaum from Franklin High School. I am fat. I know. What a surprise. When I tell people this, they think I'm saying it to self-demise. I am fat. And I have always been this way. Even at my lightest, I still have body rolls getting in my way. I feel that I have the qualifications to come up here and call myself fat because I've heard almost every single insult in the fat phobic comments for dummies handbook. From fat ass, fat and morbidly obese, all the way to, for someone your size, you are pretty healthy, I am fat. And I've known this since I was a child. My upbringing to my fatness was not at all mild. Like when I was in the first grade, two girls said I was more grande, not knowing that I understood exactly what they were saying. Or when in the fifth grade, after an assembly, t-shirts were being handed out. I told my crush I was an extra large and he gave me a gross look because I made it clear that I was stout, I am fat. And society said to me, if you are fat, you are ugly, and you will stay lonely. I drowned my self-hatred to spontaneous jokes because being funny was the only thing that I can gloat. In private, I type, type, type of what people would call sausage fingers about how much everyone sucked. It was the world against me. In public, I would seek out the wrong people for validation, only to end up being the group's scapegoat with no hesitation. I am fat. And I hated that for a while. I did everything I could to not be seen as gross and vile, from logging my food all the way to watching the scale dial, plunging down, down, down. I thought that I would feel safe and sound. I am fat. Though my body's big change was celebratory, getting hugs and high fives, look at lighter Sheila in her glory, though I am still fat. Even when I am 50 pounds lighter, even when I can practice basketball for hours without getting tired. I will now proudly wear what I want and flaunt what I have because my temple right here is the only one that I get. 
I won't apologize anymore for my curves and my wide set build because in the Renaissance period, my body type was the ideal. Yes, I am fat. And I have accepted that this is a part of me. You need fat to live, so I have fat a word that is considered so mean and obscene because I really am fat. And it's perfectly okay if you agree because I wear that label like a badge and I'm unconditionally proud to be chubby. Slam poetry is really a good, not only a good creative outlet, but a really good emotional outlet. Once you start writing how you feel on paper, especially when you have no one to talk to, it just, it flows on paper or whatever you're, you're writing on. And I'd say go for it if you have a lot to say because a lot of people would want to hear your story for sure if you have one. Audience, show some love and keep that love going and welcome up to your screen our next poet, Emma Hayes from Ida B. Wells High School. I'm standing here, stock still, staring at myself in the mirror, trying to let my mind comprehend the fact that this is me. Now, a poem that's topic is myself sounds so egotistical, so stereotypical of some teenage girl, but I don't give a because every day I wake up again. I'm back at it again, back smacked into this cracked reality, tumbling back up into this world of me, this body and soul that make up a fragmented whole. I am staring at stacked layers of personality, multitudes of causality that still cannot be accessed by this conscious part of me. How is there so much that I can't see? How do I be what I can't see? I'm supposed to stand here and speak like myself, clearly, effectively, confidently, eloquently, Lee, Lee, Emma Lee, Caroline, Alice Hayes, my full name, but what does that mean? What are those noises trying to seem, that collection of words that encompass this sea of feelings and beings and all of this me? It is my responsibility to not just float along in a dream, but to pick through the pieces, to puzzle out this identity, understand my source spark, to let my embers fly free. And therein lies the key. Every person is their own me. It's every person's responsibility to be the most genuine version they can be. Responsible to respond to the world as what you want to see. Because I don't want to be all, I'm 14 and this is deep, but every night when I go to sleep, I can't. Until I think of every woman and man and in between that isn't being seen or heard and how could I make a difference in their world? The hurt that exists, that is just missed by so many people's consciousness. And why? Because they never take the time to look and see at what they could let their lives be. How can you expect anyone to understand their potential excellency if they can't even take a moment to comprehend the hand that before them they see? No more monotony. No more complacency. We have to examine ourselves because eventually what does it ultimately come down to? You. Me. This is me. How do I see so that I can be? Slam poetry is really exciting because it gives you, it's a performance piece mixed with poetry, which Poetry is beautiful, but it can seem kind of stagnant sometimes. And when you're able to get up and perform it and kind of show people how you wrote it with your voice, it's, it's really cool. And keep that love going for our next poet, Jordan Walmut from Vincent High School. Hashtag also stands for number. How come when black boy is lying in a black casket because of a white man who isn't God for no reason, he becomes a hashtag, a number, statistic? How many people on t-shirts are we going to have to make? Another candle lighting with bears, balloons that go away, and flowers that decay, and candles that flame doesn't stay for too long, and his flame went out too soon, and everyone told him that he blew it. That boy didn't even know what love was yet. 
His father didn't have the chance to apologize. His mom forgot to say bye that same morning. That boy was the same age as me, doing the same thing as me. He was going to school. He wasn't running the streets. He became the street because of you. Under the street light, a little before nine, with his bag of Skittles and his Arizona, he didn't even get to drink yet. How come don't move was the last thing he had to hear? Old, white, shaking fingers pulled the trigger. He died because of white fear. And white privilege comes to save the white man once again. He stripped that boy's color from his soul and left him a white ghost. They left the color and the lies they write in the newspaper headlines. Black hero, I mean Negro scholar, I mean gang member killed by protective, I mean privileged police officer, I mean murderer. They get another headline while we get another hashtag. Hashtag Trayvon Martin, hashtag I have a dream, hashtag I can't breathe, hashtag black boy in black casket, just another number, statistic. Black men are 2.5 times more likely to be killed by police than white men. I mean, isn't that badge on your chest mean you're supposed to protect everyone? Instead of back of the bus, I feel like we're thrown under the bus this time, thrown in front of a gun every time, shoot to kill, and you say you shoot to survive, right hand up, you said the oath and you still lie? Sir, don't tell me we're being violent. We're trying to protect ourselves, cause who else will? So you can go ahead and wait till a bullet hits somebody else's back to realize the fact that this is wrong. It's been wrong. People full of anger and hate when we should love and appreciate each other for all the differences and similarities. People blocked by social media and generations of hate you see. It's time to make a difference, a difference for the better. So murderer, I mean officer, you're supposed to protect lives, not take them. Do your job. What excites me about slam poetry is hearing different people's stories and hearing, like, seeing it from a different side, a different point of view, and also knowing, like, you never realize what's going on behind closed doors. I started with slam when I was, like, a young, younger. I didn't realize it was, like, slam poetry, but I started writing as an escape because I had a lot of feelings, but I didn't know who to talk to, and I didn't really trust my friends like that, so I started writing because I trust paper more than anything. Show some love, and keep that love going for our fifth poet, Lily Rudine, from Franklin High School. Lindsay Bever sits at her desk. Her open laptop illuminates her youthful facial features like a spotlight. Her not-so-cheap perfume is fading. The end of her pencil sheds the eraser shavings across her lazily taken notes. Her coffee tastes like nothing at this point. But this is what she lives for. Her fingers clickety-clack on the keyboard as she writes. When authorities went to arrest 38-year-old suspect this week, he was sitting on his porch in Portland with $1,500 in his pocket and 16 grams of methamphetamine in his wristband. According to court records, the Portland State University PhD chemistry student and community college chemistry teachers accused of possessing, manufacturing, and delivering meth. I am in the fourth grade when she titles, Portland's Real Life Breaking Bad, former chemistry teacher charged with manufacturing methamphetamine. And I know why she writes this. She doesn't care much for this story, it's just like any other. Writing this is as easy as tying the shoes she can afford to slip out of. Unlike her shoes, she doesn't have a connection to this story, nor would she want one. She only considers that I cannot stop her from writing this, just like I cannot stop my classmates from whispering, watching me walk down the cafeteria walkway, like how I cannot stop my family from trying to make small talk rather than address the missing piece of chatter in the room. I cannot stop myself from wanting to stay home that day. If I could, I would mute my elementary school friends from telling me what they saw in the news. I would take back every lazy twitch from Lindsay Bever's fingertips typing away at her keyboard. I would stop my dad from possessing, manufacturing, and delivering meth, but I cannot. And the fact that I cannot rips into me and burrows itself down deeper and deeper until it's at a place where I cannot get rid of it. But I can do this. To Lindsay Bever, I hope it was worth it. Worth all of the attention you got from ridiculing my dad. Worth the fast and easy money that was almost more addicting than his drug problem. Worth never having to consider me. Unlike those who had to, 
when I had to watch my mother burst into tears because after hiding the fighting, the custody battles and court dates, she couldn't keep it a secret that maybe I should stay home that day. When my family was just trying to take it one step at a time, you were able to strut on by proudly in your new shoes. To Lindsay Bever, consider how at the moment you wrote your story, my fourth grade mindset was shattered by your lack of consideration. Consider how friends at my school had more of their minds made up about my dad than I did. Consider how you thought you had a right to tell me who my dad is. To Lindsay Bever, at least I know who you are. I got started with slam poetry when I was a freshman at Franklin High School. The goals that I have for my poetry are um, being able to present my feelings towards others more effectively. Welcome up, Jocelyn Davis from Park Rose High School. My sunshine, I am from puppy kisses on Saturday mornings to protesting with teachers on Mondays. I'm writing poetry about dying the next moment I'm flying. I dream I'll see me in a world full of diversity. I'm a quiet girl whose mom died from a dead disease. My friends fight like warriors through the night just to make sure I'm all right. I'm from long road trips with cousins to crying in the car, listening to the raindrops drop from the clouds. I'm from ants who'd kill for me to fighting for me. I'm from yelling out the window on my birthday to screaming every day. I'm from sad, broken, throwaway Barbies who can't be played with anymore because the dog chewed them up. I'm from the school that's taught me how to write my feelings like a kite. I'm from falling apart to making Mozart. I'm from crying on Mondays to smiling on Tuesdays. Her teachers seem to make it all right. I'm a strong, powerful girl who is almost living. Even though she's crying at night, she keeps the pain locked away, out of sight. She sees her potential shining through the light. If you were to know me, you'd see a strong girl fighting in a crazy, heartbreaking world. In fifth grade, we had a writing assignment, and it was pretty much to just write whatever we wanted. And from there, when I got home, I looked up what poetry was. And ever since then, I've been writing and in eighth grade, um, one of my teachers told me about this open mic at this cafe, and I decided to go. And ever since then, I've been just reading my poetry, doing slam. Please welcome up Anna Gunderson from Franklin High School. There was a time in my life where I didn't want to exist where I thought about bottles of pills and serrated knife edges and falling asleep and never waking up, one night I had a dream. A dream where I hugged my best friend and I felt her warmth seep into my bones as she cried tears of salty pain into my lifeless shoulder. A dream where I saw my parents hug each other for the first time in years and I found myself asking why now? where I watched my dog curl up in a sunbeam with my little brother as she whimpered, desperate and wanting, but blissfully unaware. And suddenly, I ached for life, for cold rain on my skin, for crunching fall leaves under my feet, for playing my ukulele until my fingers were rubbed raw and my cuticles bleeding, for taste and touch and hugs, and to everyone I never got to meet, and all the moments yet to be. The girl I never got to lay in the sunshine with, who never got to press her lips to mine, and marvel at the beauty of love, and wanting, and freedom. I picked up my phone. I saw my name. My name, spoken by every girl who walked beside me sitting alone at the lunch table, and by every friend who turned their back on me, saying how much they miss me. What a tragic loss, and I wish we had been closer lies upon heartless lies before going back to posting pictures of slim bodies in skimpy bikinis and sunny days spent eating a cupcake without a care, just a moment lost in the shuffle. Not something worth enough to feel sad about forever, but a fleeting thought every once in a while of that was a scary day, or maybe I could have been that girl 
Or maybe I wonder what was wrong with her. She looked so happy. Suicide prevention spoken in the same breath as weight loss and cures to every physical wrongdoing, every sin I committed by just being. And now that I'm gone, you want me back now for some reason because it's not like you saw me when I was there. Suddenly, anger filled me to the brim, filled with every tear I shed for nasty words, everything they said to me, and how selfish I was to leave such a good life. Every party, I had to sit and watch on my phone, because who would invite that broken, lonely girl? Who would want to befriend the girl who spent her whole weekend writing you a song and gave up her life to be enough for you? But now that I'm gone, you want me back now and you can't have me back. And this, this is worse than the pain, this nothing, this longing, this numbness. I longed to cry myself to sleep just one more time. I tried to press undo, to get back to the anger, to find that little girl who marveled at sunsets and carried her dolls around in a wooden wagon, who never once looked in the mirror at her broken body and hated every inch of distorted pain. But the button was stuck, and I couldn't go back. Back, let me go back. Let me undo, let me feel. But this earth is cruel, and people are cruel, and they let you bleed alone. So don't fade out like that broken, lonely, star-struck girl who longed for love, who ached for belonging. Stitch yourself back together if no one else will, for there is more to living than broken moments more to living than fading away. I have written music since my whole life, um, starting with writing more lyrics when I was about 10 years old. And I've always had my little song notebook that I could write all my lyrics in, and it was such a comfort after coming home from school or whatever happened that day that I could go to my room and write music. And that was something that I felt like maybe I could be good at, and maybe that could be something just for me. And that felt so powerful. Added to that, I've been doing performance and acting my whole life, and so this feels like a kind of meet in the middle place where I've been writing these poetic lyrics my whole life, working with rhyme scheme, and there's a lot of timing involved with writing music, and that kind of translates over to poetry, and I've always loved performing, and so having this way to share my lyrics and my music and everything I write, but be able to perform it, is just the perfect combination for me. Keep that love and excitement going for our last poet in the first round, Jordan Dimoff from Grant High School. When playing 52 card pickup, you never seem to realize the joy of messing around with a deck of cards. A good friend and memories of card tricks and card games till you damage the $15 box they reside in. The corner is torn, the back is missing, and now my tears keep spilling out. A friend I couldn't live without. A safety line to talk to, and now a knot in my stomach every time I saw you. The only crisis line that didn't tell me, go talk to someone else. Now the shroud of white noise encompasses my ears. I can't hear your jokes. I can't hear your protective dad-like concerns if I ate too much or if I ate too little or tender hugs that seemed to bug me when you were the only one to truly see me angry. I didn't say goodbye, but I said goodnight. Long text sent, long text received. Guess I was the joker messing with the game, but don't forget we come in pairs. Relationships are two-way streets. And it's pretty damn neat to stop and think of how the other is feeling when the situation isn't as clear as we think. Now my box is torn and worn and taped up at the edges from all the stares, glares, and betrayers that emerge through screenshots and text messages. From panic past that's always seemed to relapse like a snap streak that just keeps on going week after week. We sat on the stairs when I was scared. We sat on the dock when my clock was ticking and talking and taking too long of a turn when the alarms were going off in my heart with a spark left a hurtful mark and we were both left in the dark. It is hard to call you my friend when I never truly knew your cards against your vest, only heard the warnings I was gambling with heartstrings, tugging and pulling, a friendship was in divorce. Respect, lost connection, tossed emotions array, I didn't know how much longer it would stay the way we planned the years to go by. 
Everything was in play. My love, my life, my hopes and dreams. To see dorky, smiley faces with lunch plans and rain checks that never came to pass. The last smile before we throw our caps in the air. We were separated by tables and chairs. The last time to ruffle someone's over-gelled hair. Graduating tattoos that only seem fair to be a pair of aces. It is not fair to play 52 card pickup by yourself. You always seem to lose one set of cards without the other set of eyes looking. You lose if the cards are gone. You lose if the box breaks. You lose if your heart shuffles. And you're left out to dry and cry and pray to a God that you were never really baptized to. Cause for Christ's sake, understand how when my house of cards collapsed, exiled the solitaire and the kings were in their corners. While the rest were scattered across the floor, how I possibly could have lost my ace of diamonds. I got into slam poetry for an eighth grade project. And then when I went to Grant for high school in my freshman year, my librarian uh, started Poetry Slam and I decided to enter. I didn't know if I'd enjoy, but it was just something to try out for my freshman year. My advice for students who are considering slam poetry or maybe a little bit nervous about it is for me, I use slam poetry to let out anything I have on my mind. So I always have a little notebook and just writing down maybe phrases or a fun rhyme scheme you hear. It doesn't always have to be incorporated into a poem, but it can get you on that train to the either end product or a goal you have set. You're listening to the All City Youth Poetry Slam Virtualandia 2021 on Literary Arts, the archive project. Everyone has a story to tell, and to help you craft your own unique stories, the folks at The Moth are releasing a new book called How to Tell a Story, The Essential Guide to Memorable Storytelling. Whether you want to hit The Moth stage, deliver the perfect wedding toast, wow clients at a business dinner, or simply connect more deeply to those around you, stories are essential. Learn more at moth.org slash H-T-T-A-S. Let's rejoin the All-City Youth Poetry Slam Competition, Virtualandia 2021. And just a quick reminder that some of the poems you'll hear in this episode contain explicit language and mature content, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Here's our MC, Anis Majgani. Um, we are done with the first round. We're just whizzing through these poems. This is so great, honestly. Um, it's so fantastic to get to like get to do this. You know, I, I wish we were all in the same space together, but I'm so happy that we're able to like find some sort of configuration for for doing this. So before we jump into the, uh, I announced the, the the five finalists for the second round. For all those keeping track at home, just a quick reminder that when we tabulate the scores, we drop the low, we drop the high, and that if any poets in the first round may have gone over. Some of their final score will be marked down because of a half-point deduction. So, without further ado, welcome back up for the second round, the first poet, Emma Hayes. Those lonely, lonely summer days when I didn't have anywhere to go. Friendship can run away sometimes and take out a gaping hole. The people I had counted on had decided to let me go. So into the woods I retreated to find some childhood on my own. I stumbled upon this cave of trees, the terabithia I needed desperately. And alone I could let myself human be. It was the forest that taught me how to truly see, how to see the intricacy encircling me that my veins go in the same way that those that grow in every leaf, that my life is the product of this cosmic intimacy. Alone, I dug my hand into the ground and found this golden key. Please, is there someone else who could share this feeling with me? But this last time, as I turned down that familiar path, I looked up and felt my face smacked. It's gone. The trees torn down, branches thrown asunder. Who the hell has the right to plunder, to take an axe and hack? Who cracked the stained glass in this cathedral of my past? No, no, no. I did bring a friend here a while ago. Back 
that day when the world was covered in snow. But we didn't just look. We talked and laughed. I sat in the snow till it froze off my ass. And we let ourselves just be. Because she's the type of person who can already see. And that feeling there with her was as beautiful as the trees. She's leaving soon. Maybe that's how it goes. All things end because all things grow. And maybe that's why the forest speaks to me. It's not a picture of perfect stability, but the promise of an ever-changing fluid tapestry. So, I am still pissed. And my cave of trees and my friend, you will be missed. But I know that that beauty will always exist. Judges for Emma's second poem have given out a 7.9, an 8.2, an 8.3, an 8.4, and a 9.3. For Emma Hayes, please show your love, audience, and bring back up to the stage Jordan Walmut. Trigger warning. We put out a trigger warning before poems because we don't want anyone to relive any traumas. What about the poets on stage, digging deep into their soul, reliving every pain possible to get all tens? All tens, points, judges won't know how you feel, so you gotta show them. Tell me how you feel. Who hurt you? Who touched you? What happened? Remember why you wrote it, poet. Six tears in the left eye, three in the right, nine tears for every point I got instead of ten. My tears turned to 18 for every year I relived on that stage. I wrote that poem with my blood. I wrote that poem with my fears. I told the crowd before I told my mom and some won't understand and some don't understand. Do I get half a point extra for every voice break, break wordplay, heartbreak, ground shake, don't you see? Me breaking, don't you see? Me shaking, the judges love that Trigger warning, I don't want their hands on me. Trigger warning, God took my mom too soon. Trigger warning, my suicide attempts almost reached double digits. Trigger warning. <clears throat> you are not crying enough. I want you to break on that stage before the stage breaks you. Feel more. Dig deeper. Be emotional. Remember, all tens. As the points go from 10, 9, 8, 7, trigger, 6, 5, trigger, 4, trigger, 3, warning. When listening to this poem, please try stepping out of your shoes and into mine. Try to see through my eyes, and you will see why I brought this poem to the stage. Why this poem doesn't deserve all 10s, but all 20s. You take the highest score and multiply it by 2 because I'm not just a poet. Trigger warning, adult language. I'm a f God. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but my words will break your heart. And with those same words turned around, I can make you fall in love all over again. My poems can make you relive some of your trauma, but also live some of mine. So please don't think about the points. Listen to what I'm saying. We all have a story and having somebody's story feel like it's not enough. That's something else. So please, I know it's not a point. It's not about the points, but it's still a competition and I'm competing. It's still not about the points. Just listen to what I'm saying, please. Just trigger warning. I don't want their hands on me. Four men when I was seven took advantage of me. And sometimes at night I still feel eight hands on me. Trigger warning. God took my mom too soon. Called her home way too soon. She went to my continuation at eighth grade because they told her she wouldn't make it to when I graduate. Trigger warning. My suicide attempts almost reached double digits. How do you tell the woman who gave you your life that you don't want it no more? And now that she lost her own, you're trying to return that favor. <sighs> Trigger warning. When listening to this poem, try stepping out of your shoes and into mine. Look through my eyes and you will see why I brought this poem to the stage. Why it doesn't deserve all 10s, but all 20s. Goodbye. Judges for Jordan's second poem have given out a 9.1, a 9.2, a 9.3, a 9.3, and tonight's first 10. Please give it up for Jordan.
and keep giving that love for our last poet of the evening, Shayla Santa Cruz Crickbaum. What are you perceiving me as right now? A feminine man, a masculine woman, Hell, maybe an icky bug crawling on concrete. I walk with my signature pace, heels stomping on the floor, and I am open to being perceived. I'm like a piece of abstract art made by Jackson Pollock. Some teens adore my colorful and out there composition. Most of the middle aged just find me messy. Speaking of, let's talk about how grand old society sees people like me. Am I a punk? Too sensitive for you? Or am I seen that way because you can't stomp at me like you stomp on spiders on the street? Maybe I look too weird for your taste, shine my inner ideas in your face. Maybe you should ask yourself, why would anyone want to dim the lights in their own place? I finally get the courage to cut my hair and get comfortable with the clothes I wear and now I get perceived as a confused young lady who needs to tone herself down. But let me tell you who I really am, just to get the facts straight. Someone who wants to bend and break the rules of society that are put on my biological sex. A nonconformist who wants to inspire others, the ones that I want to embrace their inner circus. Someone's child, an athlete, a lover and a fighter. A student who is working hard to get my degree, and unlike you, someone who minds their own business. Because the real danger is perceive the harmless surface and ignore the harmful who wants to be perceived as the harmless. People that engrave hate into our human nature and system and the ones that stand still and look away because the hate isn't projected onto them. The ones who track down the impressionable and lost, the teaching bigotry is all just dark jokes to brush off. The ones who say, I support who you are, but don't project who you are in front of me, please. You think because you say the magic word, I'm just gonna go respect you? Your vision of the world is flawed and loosely glued. The way you perceive people who are trying their best to be keen in their flesh and soul is damaging and harmful to the places that people yearn to call home. You don't know our stories, nothing about our lives. You don't know what we have been through to feel safe and comfortable in our minds. Every day feels like a chore. We are unpromptedly judged by you guys. Your words hurt sometimes, but I know you just have unresolved hate on your part. You're not ready for change and to see that self-expression is a work of art. We just want to express and progress the world and hopefully your hearts. But just know that I'm not personally offended about the way that you perceive me. So go take your concerns to someplace where it's needed, Mr. and Mrs. Grand Old Society. The last poem of the night, our judges have given out a 7.7, an 8.1, an 8.8, an 8.9, and a 9.2 for Shayla. Audience, please show your love and support. The, uh, and as we draw close to the, uh, to the end of the eve, please show your love and support for everybody over the evening. I know for myself, this has been such a, such a treat, such a joy. So thank you so much for sharing this with us. Um, while our math wizards are tabulating up their scores for our, uh, our winners, um, I'm gonna share a poem with y'all. It's kind of interesting to me over this last year, um, sharing this poem that I wrote so many years ago and how it's taken on a different shape and different form and maybe like a different, um, an extra layer of, 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 of meaning with the world that we live in right now. Um, there's so much space that we have to maintain between ourselves and others right now and, uh, and still do, you know, hopefully not for, for much longer. Come closer. Come into this, come closer. You are quite the beauty. If no one has ever told you that before, know that right now, you are quite the beauty. There is joy in how your mouth dances with your teeth. Your smile is simply a sign of how sacred your life actually is. So step into it, come closer. Know that whatever God might be, they asked the world around them to help them make something of worth. They woke from dreaming, scraped the soil from spaces stuck somewhere inside themselves, made you, and were happy. You make that Lord happy. Come into this. Come closer. 
No, that something softer than us, but just as holy, planted pieces of itself into our feet that we might one day dance our way back. Know that you are almost home. Come just a little bit closer. There are birds beating their wings beneath your breastplates. Gentle sparrows that ache to sing. Come aching hearts. Come soldiers of joy, doormen of truth. Know that my heart was too big for my body, so I let it go. And most days this world thins me where I'm just another cloud, forgetting another flock of swans, having shaved off so many of my corners that I felt at home only in the shape of a ball, bending myself so far backwards that the song of my mother believed I was returning home. But believe me when I tell you that somehow my soul still manages to squeeze itself into very narrow spaces. Place your hand beneath your head when you sleep tonight. Perhaps you will find it there, making beauty as we sleep making beauty as we dream, making beauty as we turn over. When we turn over in the ground, may the ghosts that we've asked our answers of do that turning, kneading us into crumbs of light and into this thing, love thing called life. Come into it. Come, you wooden museums, gentle tigers, little giants. I see teacups upside down glowing across your grins. Your hearts are like my hands. Some days, all they do is tremble. I am like you. I'm just like you. I too at times am filled with so much fear. Like a hallway must find the strength to walk through it. Walk through this with me. With this church of blood, bone, and muscle that is ours, there's a doorknob that glows like chance before you. Grab it, turn, and pull. Step through, back straight, chin up, eyes open, hearts loud. Walk through this with me. Walk through this with me. Thank you, Portland, and whoever is beaming in from the outer reaches, from wherever you might be joining us. I'm so excited to share with you uh, the winners of Virtual Landia 2021. In fifth place, we have Gigi Borales. In fourth place, we have Emma Hayes. In third place, give it up for Shayla Santa Cruz Craigbaum. In second place, Lily Rudine, and your first place winner of Virtual Landia 2021 is Jordan Wilmot. Congratulations, Jordan. Thank you so much. It means so much to be heard. And I, it means so much to see so many people supporting poetry in Portland specifically. Thank you guys so much. And I, I want to say thank you to all the poets who were, like joined in too. It means a lot. I love you guys. Those were performances from the All-City Youth Poetry Slam Competition, Virtualandia 2021, MC'd by Anis Majgani. This has been Literary Arts, the Archive Project. It's a retrospective of some of the most engaging talks from the world's best writers from more than 35 years of literary arts in Portland. The Archive Project is produced in collaboration with Oregon Public Broadcasting. To hear more, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This month, we have two incredible community events coming up that are both live and in person again, and we are thrilled. On Monday, April 25th, we'll host the Oregon Book Awards to celebrate Oregon's incredible contemporary writers. And on Thursday, April 28th, we'll host the All-City Youth Poetry Slam vs. Landia at the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall. For more information, go to our website, literary-arts.org. Our show is produced by Crystal Ligori and Donald Orr for radio and podcast, and is also produced by Amanda Bullock with support from Liz Olofsson. And I'm the executive producer. Special thanks to Literary Arts marketing staff, Joe T. Roy and Hope Levy, and the entire Literary Arts staff, board, and community. The show would not be possible without them. Thanks also to the band Emancipator for our theme music, and thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Andrew Proctor, and this has been another episode of The Archive Project from Literary Arts. Join us next time. Find your story here.